Hey gang, welcome to Use Guys and That Podcast brought to you by agorasnexus.com. Don't forget to check out our friend Bobby and Fairly Decent Golf. Um, he just had a Memorial Day sale. You missed that, but he has brand new items. He's got a new logo on his stuff. We love Bobby. He's uh, he's a friend, and um, we're here to help our friends. Because if we're not going to help our friends, there is no goddamn point to any of this. So um, we're going to kind of dial it back a little bit. Not to say that this is a slow news week, because uh, for a long time, there hasn't been anything slow about what's going on around us. Fortunately, as of this recording, the last day of May in the year of our Lord, 2023, Right now, there haven't been any train derailments, water poisonings, nuclear holocaust. None of that stuff has happened. It could be happening right now, but I am in the bunker talking to you guys. So we're going to dial it back a little bit. Um, Perhaps some of you may be familiar with the 1970s as far as the political turmoil that was going on in the world. Not so much from the respect of uh, Richard Nixon of uh, getting caught in the Watergate scandal and, you know, the only president to resign the presidency. I mean, that's kind of scandalous, but I mean, in a grand scheme of things, it wasn't, I mean, for Republicans, it was pretty earth shattering. Uh, but on the grand scheme of things, it wasn't like something that was, I don't know, caused political upheaval across the planet. What a lot of people forget about the seventies and they think the seven angel, let's start with you. What do you, what comes to mind when we talk about the 1970s, the decade, um, the 1970s. And Christopher, what comes to mind? Angel, Angel, you shoot one, and then Christopher can give us one. Go okay, ahead. Okay. Um, I kind of think of like, um, well, that's kind of the the 60s. Um, maybe music, like Jimi Hendrix and stuff. Was he in the 70s or was that more the 60s? That was more the 60s. Okay. Uh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I don't, I can't think of anything right okay, now. Okay, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a free one. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Bell bottoms. Okay. That was the 60s too. I was going to say that, but that's the 60s. Christopher, what do you think? I'm going to say something I don't, I don't want to take it away from because he probably is on the same way. Uh, I, like when I think 70s, I typically think of the Kent State shooting. Okay. See, there you go. There you go. That was on my list. I was thinking cocaine. That I mean, that too. That too. Yeah. yeah. Cocaine, disco music, Vietnam disco War. Disco music. Yep, exactly. Diana Ross. <laughs> Diana so looking for some what hot about, stuff, baby, tonight. Was the Watergate yeah. scandal in the that's, 70s? That's what I just mentioned. Oh, you did just say yeah, that. Yeah, I, did I didn't, that. I didn't, I didn't hear that. you say that. Um, but yeah, disco, like Christopher says, the Kent State Massacre, the murder. The um, Vietnam. We mentioned Vietnam. I don't know then. I I have not. Uh, wasn't the uh, wasn't that uh, like the the oil shortage or whatever in the seventies right. that yeah. caused the gas prices to skyrocket mm-hmm. and people to line up at gas stations. Yeah, and they had a, they had a uh, a ration. A the seventies was also a bad decade for fucking serial killers too. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, the space. Did you say the space already? No, I didn't say the space. The space. Okay. The space. What about yeah. space? Uh, the Apollo mission. We landed on the moon in 69. I know, but we still Chance, continued on. One. We continued on with other missions. There's two kinds of countries, Angel. There's people who use the metric system, and there's countries that have been to the moon. Fuck the metric system. Um, 
Yeah, so those are good ones. Yeah, bad decade for serial killers. Um, but do you think of terrorism? Do you think of terrorism at all? Perhaps some of you maybe. Um, I thought I think more. I think like hijackings. Well done. Well done. Um, that was huge. You know, specifically with like planes and stuff that seemed to yeah, happen a lot more. Skyjacking. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I think probably terrorism, but the seventies and the ongoing cold war it was probably the stereotype was probably more russian terrorists than it was uh say like middle eastern terrorists quite yet that's an interesting way to look at it It was a decade also of left-wing terrorism in general um when you think about like people who know know nelson mandela who he was Mm -hmm. uh the first post-apartheid president who was you know a black man because it was like 10 percent of the population around the whole fucking country um and all these people were treated as second-class citizens he uh it came out after he died that he was a member of the central committee for the communist party of south africa and the communist party of south africa did a lot uh as far as there was called what was it um the south african necktie which is not the same as the Colombian necktie. They would put a burning tire around your, your Ooh, head. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. It was, what? Oh, yeah. If, if, if um, the African National Congress folks, because they had a, uh, a militant group that committed acts of political terrorism, and they put a tire around your neck and set it on fire. So not a pleasant way to go. I, maybe it wasn't a necktie. I thought it was. Um, but, yeah, but a lot of people forget also there's a great film and this is going someplace, believe me or not. We're talking about separatists today. We're back on that wagon. Uh, give you something. We've crossed over the Atlantic Ocean. We've moved on a little bit uh, from North America. We're going to cross over into Europe for a little bit. We're going to take a look. There's plenty to choose from, for better or for worse. Uh, but we're going to start with a very interesting group of people. In 1972, there's a great movie that Steven Spielberg, I know a lot of you are like, God, Jew, he's a Jew. We're not watching it. Great. Who's, who the fuck's... Don't... don't <laughs> it makes people. her so mad. Stop it. It makes her so mad. There Who was, gives a shit? Stop listening to us. We like Jewish people. Some of us are Jewish. Go in, fuck yourself. In 1972, the uh, Palestinian Liberation Organization took 11 Israeli hostages during the Olympics. Okay? There was a movie called Munich. And Steven Spielberg uh, directed it. It's Ooh. it's a fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. It's really good. Uh, I recommend checking it out if you haven't. Uh, but um, I believe that they killed nine of them um, in a helicopter. They were trying to board the helicopter, and then they were surrounded by the West German police. Anyway, they killed a bunch of them. That's terrible. And you know the uh, the Israeli Mossad was like, yeah, we're going to track down every single one of these people that participated in it and fucking kill them all, which they did. Um, so there's that tit for tat, but there's a lot of terrorist organizations or organizations participating in terror, excuse me, across the continent. Like there was red faction. Red faction is not just a video game uh, from the early aughts, uh, it was an actual organization that went into West Germany and committed acts of terrorism. There was the um, the Red Brigade um, in Italy. Uh, Italian communists that committed acts of terrorism all over the place. It was an interesting time. And like I said, the PLO uh, had kicked off and they were a radical left-wing terrorist organization. There were terrorist organizations financed by the Libyans. Um, 
wild stuff going on in the 70s, uh, a lot of it. And of course, who could forget about um, the Irish Republican Army uh, during the Troubles? Uh, that was, I mean, depending on, of course, who you ask, was it acts of terrorism? Well, when you blow up people having fish and chips who are not involved, yes, it is an act of terrorism. Uh, I don't give a fuck what team you're on. Um, you you want to kill people in uniform. I'm not going to, I mean, I, just, I don't want to be there, whatever. But when people are minding their own fucking business, I think you should just leave them alone. But anyway, so there was a lot of this going on back then. There was a lot of kidnappings going on. Uh, there were pirates out there, you know, actually, you know, like, I guess they were the cooler version of the Somali pirates back in the day. Right. So a lot of this is going on. Don't forget about the weather underground in the United States. Bill Ayers. Uh, who was friends to Barack Hussein Obama, peace be upon him. Uh, there, there's a lot of stuff going on, okay? The airline hijackings that, that Angel mentioned, there's video actually that you can get where these the, uh, the terrorist organizations would like land the planes and park them and just blow up the planes after everybody got off. Like they got off the aircraft and they're like, fuck it, we're blowing up these million dollar machines. So a lot of, uh, of left wing activity going on out there in the uh, 70s, including the Japanese Red Army. I don't know if you guys heard about them. Uh, they were allies of a, Pal- a Palestinian terrorist organization. Uh, they uh, killed 26 people back in the day. Uh, well, three members of the Japanese Red Army. Like, there's some interesting stuff going on. But perhaps, let me dial you back. Let me dial you back. We're going to take a look at one specific group that doesn't get you know, spoken about with great frequency, but... I think those that are at least moderately familiar with the subject of terrorism in the 1970s and also who are fans of geography may have heard of the folks from the Basque country. Uh, The Basque, uh, it's B-A-S-Q-U-E, and incorporates territory that's mostly in Spain, but small slices in the southwest of France, uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, in fact, let me, if for those of you that are taking in the audio version of this, you're not going to be able to see this, but I just want to give people an idea. If you're watching the video, you're like, what the hell is the Basque country, Jay? What are you talking about? Well, this is where you're looking at it here. So here are the Pyrenees Mountains right here. They're coming through Pyrenees and Andorra's like down this way. This is where the Basque country is. So it's mostly in Spain, as you can see, mostly in Spain and just a couple of small slices in France. Now, what is it that's unique about the Basque people? Well, a couple of different things, really. They have their own language, okay? Uh, the, the pronunciation of Basque country is Euskal Herria. It's not even like, because the, the Spanish version is País Vasco. So it's not even really close. It's not like Portuguese and Spanish where you're like, oh, okay. It sounds fancier. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, like I said, located in the Pyrenees, uh, you know, in the Pyrenees Mountains, a little bit in, uh, close to the Bay of Biscay. They're an interesting group of folks, right? So they have their own cuisine. They have their own language. Um, you know, they're, they're, they are seafaring people, I guess you could say. They were uh, sailors in the, ar- in the armies of Spain. Well, first when they were separate countries because there was – the King of Aragon, and of course, there's Catal- Catalonia and uh, Nuevo Leon. There are all these, or Leon, excuse me, Nuevo Leon's in Mexico. Um, they had all these different uh, factions, and it was finally united under one crown. And the Basque people had participated uh, in uh, 
in Spain, the country and in its expansion and its, its defense. So it's very interesting. I mean, we're talking about going back to the 12th century. So this is a long time ago. Okay. However, they had an organization back in the day. All right. Now this is more modern history and you're going to be surprised when you hear the length of time from 1959 to 2018. They were an active group. There were a couple of ceasefires. Uh, they finally dissolved the organization and disarmed in by 2018. What's wild is they fought against they fought against democratic uh, leaders. They fought against fascists because don't forget this is Francisco Franco, Spain. Wild stuff happening back in the day. And just to give you an idea, so they were they were advocating for a free. Basque country, uh, you know, because they're right now considered an autonomous part of Spain. And even the leading political scientists have looked at them and said that they're the most autonomous region of any country on the continent, which is saying a lot because it's completely decentralized, which I think a lot of people would find very attractive. Some of us, some of you that listen are like very into decentralizing. This is definitely up your alley. I wouldn't necessarily go about what they did so to give you an idea here's a timeline of events that have happened okay a lot of things they did were really bad okay left-wing terrorist organization so 1958 they were um they were it was created during franco's dictatorship in spain uh of course the aim being what to establish a basque nation in northern spain in that southwestern part of france uh, first deadly attack. There had been some other minor stuff prior to this, but in 1968, uh, and it's called ETA, 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 uh, killed a uh, civil guard officer, Jose Bardines, um, and the, the killer also, uh, the terrorist also died as a result of police gunfire. And then in 1973, a powerful explosive uh, planted by uh, an ETA member, uh, in Madrid, which is the capital city of Spain, uh, killed the Prime Minister Luis Carrero Blanco. So think about that. They were able to kill the Prime Minister of fascist Spain. These aren't lightweights, okay? They came up and they, they definitely showed that they were more than capable of uh, committing some uh, really terrible acts. And, you know, again, when it comes to terrorism, and I don't know how you guys, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm sure I have a fairly decent guess as to how you feel about this. What was accomplished by this? You would think that killing the prime minister, right? You, you've eliminated the prime minister, Franco's number two guy. Mm -hmm. You think that's going to have a massive political impact. It did, but not the way you think it would, right? That's why so many people that are that roll in liberty circles disavow this 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 type of violence because it doesn't change anything does it make life harder for people who have the same political sympathies as you why yes it does but they eliminated the prime minister of spain and franco was like i hate to go walter frey on you he's like i'll just get another one so that's what he did he got another prime minister and it changed nothing except crack down on the Basque people. But do you think there's a justification for this violence? I, either one of you, like, do you think that there is 
a, a righteous explanation for this the propaganda of the deed in this case um no okay i mean what were there were they retaliating no they were just taking them out yeah no then no like i i some people are like eye for an eye right so sure. like if you know the the people that they decided to you know murder or whatever they did to them um had done that to these people in this group first i could see retaliation um you know that type of mentality so some people are like tip for tad and eye for an eye whatever sure um unprovoked I, I don't I never see a reason for violence. Um, and to me, the only reason you should ever use violence is to protect yourself. Um, and they weren't protecting themselves. So there are people who have looked at this particular assassination and have said that this is actually what got the ball rolling with democracy finally being reestablished in Spain after being a fascist dictatorship. I'm not so sure. I'm pretty. What I am sure of is I think you would have seen that transition away from fascism because, you know, being a fascist wasn't quite fashionable anymore. Now, was it? I mean, it's wild to think about it, but there were several fascist dictators that stuck around well past the expiration date, Franco being one of them the Assad family being another one because the Ba'athist party is a fascist style pan-Arab nationalist party. Uh, think about uh, the Perones down in Argentina. They were uh, considered fascist even though, but like, you know, Francisco Franco was a literal fascist. I mean, he was <laughs> Partido Fascista. He was a real fascist, a real one. Um, but I think you would have seen that transition to democracy regardless the question, you know, comes like, I'm not going to judge somebody for take, go, taking on a politician. I'm not going to say one way or the other. There will be no Fed posting. But I will say, if you're going to do something, just make sure that nobody had, that has anything to, that, like, that has nothing to do with it doesn't get hurt or get involved. That's the huge thing for me. Like when the 2020 st stuff was happening, these people were running around destroying government buildings. I could not care less. My problem came when they came for people's businesses that had nothing to do with anything. To me, that's just wanton violence and destruction that's absolutely inexcusable. You don't do that to people. Like, again, you want to take on the government, have a ball, go, go right ahead. Uh, but when you involve innocent people, you know, that's, that's a huge problem. Christopher, what do you think of this? Do you think this sort of activity, this propaganda of the deed that we've talked about in the past, do you think that it's justifiable? Do you think it's some gray area or do you think flat out... Uh, this action should have never been carried out. I'm just curious to get your thoughts on this. I mean, I would have to agree with Angel, but um, you know, unless they were retaliating or protecting their private property, you know, uh, I, I, unnecessary. I'm just, I'm not a man who loves violence. <clears throat> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, they, this was the biggest one that they kind of did. Because like before the 70s, like in 1960, they did a bombing of um, a, a, a train station, which killed a 22-month-old child. That's terrible. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think that, you know, keep, I'm, I know that violence exists and sometimes things have to happen and I'm not, you know, above that or, you know, below that. But what I, I, 
I just prefer to be as peaceful as you possibly can until there's a reason why you cannot be peaceful mm. in my opinion. Um, and everybody knows what that is. Everybody knows what their limits are. Um, mm -hmm. I just, I don't see the point in killing anybody at all. What, what's the point? Okay. I mean, what, what, it, what did they gain? It doesn't sound like they gained very much. No, yeah. It, and notoriety? They gain no, notoriety? People know about them? I mean... There is significance to that, to, to attaching your name to such an act of, like, brazen violence against the member of uh, the ruling part of the state, I guess. Um, I'm sure it does well for recruitment numbers for people who believe in the same, in the same thing uh, that you do, you know. But, yeah, I think a lot of what holds them back, and I believe there's evidence for this, too, is just because you have a you have you have a combination of two factions really you have a basque group that's nationalistic there's in fact a basque nationalist party okay, okay. who advocates for the complete liberation of the basque country to be completely free from spain or france consequently because this group eta eta was hard left marxist leninist you're going to have even internal struggle between members of this organization because you have one that's purely based on nationalistic impulses that wants to, nationalism and Marxism collide. Mm. There is no nationalism in Marxism. It's internationalism. It's a worldwide revolution, not, you know, the revision. Region. Right, yeah. Or socialism in one country, as Stalin put it. It's not meant to be that way. It's meant to be continuous and international. So you already have this factionalism within a faction, which weakens it incredibly because, again, you have one group who wants to be part of a worldwide revolution, mm -hmm. and you're also tied with some unsavory groups, let's say, right? It'd be like if the Democrats made an alliance with, I don't know, ISIS or something <laughs> like that. You'd be like, listen, I'm not paying my dues now, okay, uh, Joe? jose biden like we're not i don't want to participate because the, you, you got some really fucking weirdo friends more so than you already did um, <laughs> i mean haven't they already kind of made an alliance with these people like you know behind the scenes i mean <laughs> I, I don't know i did hear that we that the, the united states reestablished uh relations with the taliban nice not sure if that's true or not but if it is i think it's hilarious because I mean, you have to laugh like hell at this shit because after how many bodies and how many billions of dollars, trillions of dollars, hey, why don't we be friends? <laughs> you know what I mean, it's what a country, man. What a country. So, so yeah, you had nationalists who refused. They were like, they were like, no, we're not getting along with Karl Marx and his fucking ideas. Um, so that helped the, uh, I guess you could say, the group kind of, you know, break apart you know, so to speak. And then you hear, we have some more that, you know, unfortunately that, you know, that took place, you know, as time went on. So, you know, Fr Francisco Franco dies in 1975. There's a huge monument to him and there's even discussion about what to do with it because it's the symbol of their fascist past. I think Franco's a smart guy and I'm going to tell you why. I'm not saying he's a nice guy. I'm going to tell you a smart guy. So anybody knows during the German, uh, during the civil war, the Germans and the Soviet union, we're supplying both factions, both um, Republican, uh, which were lefties, 
and uh, the nationalists who were Franco's people, the fascists, they, they, they were testing out their weapons on the poor Spanish population. And it was brutal, uh, often forgotten and overlooked. Uh, you know, Hemingway, you know, writes For Whom the Bell Tolls, which is about what happened there. Um, George Orwell was there. Emma Goldman was there. I mean, you had some real literary titans that kind of observed the, the, the awful massacre that was the Civil War. And, you know, so the, the nationalist side wins fascism wins right the second world war comes around and hitler's like hey you know uh hey frank francisco you know yeah buenos dias uh you know you know how we helped you win well we could really use your help right now and francisco franco was like no hablo aleman which means i don't speak german he was like thanks but no thanks i hardly ever knew you i'm not fucking helping you out Sorry. <laughs> so he provided German ships with uh, safe passage through the, their ports, but that was about it. He didn't get involved. So he was a smart guy because, I mean, that would have been the end of everything for him, uh, truly, because then, you know, they wouldn't have stopped in France. They would have marched all the way down there. Just ask the Italians how it worked out for being friends with the Germans during the Second World War. It was not, not, not too well. <laughs> yeah. No bueno. No bueno. Arrivederci. Um, it's the third best Italian. So you have the, okay, so we talked about, you know, the attack that ended up killing uh, the, the prime minister. Franco dies. And as we turn into the 1980s, now we're talking about copious amounts of cocaine, bringing back memories. Angel, 1980s. Yes. You think Ronald Reagan, right? You think punk rock. Like it was, uh, there was an explosion. Yeah. Consumerism. Consumerism. At, at the very beginning. Hypercapitalism. Yes. Trickle-down economics, which our left-wing friends love to hate. And, you know, whatever. I mean, what are you going to do? Um, but, yeah, more cocaine. All right. Um, Ronald Reagan banning machine guns from private ownership. Thanks, Republicans, for more gun control. Don't you ever let them fucking forget it. Would you ever let them forget that they had a hand in it? Okay. Okay. They like to pretend like they're the guy. The, oh, we're the good guys. We believe in, some, in gun rights. No, you don't. No, you don't. None of you do. But it's a anyway, big boo. It's a big fuck you is what it is. In 1980, uh, Etta kills nearly 100 people, making 1980 the deadliest year in the group's violence campaign. 100 people. In 1983, Members of Spain's security force established anti-terrorist li uh, liberation groups, or GAL, to fight ETA and undermine its supporters over the following four years. The group kills around 30 people. In 1986, moving right along, 12 Civil Guard officers die in Madrid and 50 more people are wounded in a car bombing that was blamed on ETA. In 1987, ETA's bloodiest attack bombs in the parking lot of shopping center in Barcelona, Killed 21 people and injured 45 others. Separate attack at a civil guards barracks in Zaragoza. Killed 11 people, including five children and a teenager. That's 19 terrible. Yeah. It, but finally, they came around. 1989, they, des they decided to uh, declare a ceasefire and have a sit down and talk about uh, peace um, with uh, Spain's socialist government at the time. 
However, they broke the truce by killing a civil guards officer. Central authorities began the so-called dispersal policy that sent imprisoned militants to prisons scattered across Spain. It's kind of breaking up that network, uh, that that old school style social network, which is very effective. Even ran you know through the prisons. Even in this country, we have what is it, the Aryan Brotherhood? That the entire thing is run from prison. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the most powerful organizations of organized crime uh, in the country. Pretty wild stuff. Hmm. So, oh yeah. So, breaking up that network was pretty smart. In 1992, the militant group suffered a major blow with the arrest of one of its leaders in southern France. And then Francisco Tomasi Valiente, a former president of Spain's Constitutional Court, is shot and killed at the Autonomous University of Madrid. So these guys, this is 1996, folks. This is 1996, and this stuff is still happening in all places of Spain. 1997, Jose Ortega Lara, a Spanish prison worker, finally got their freedom, his freedom after 532 days of kidnapping, the longest in ETA's history. Shortly after the organization kidnaps Miguel Angel Blanco, a young conservative counselor in the town of Ermua. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, E-R-M-U-A, Ermua. Sounds French, doesn't it? Yeah. And kills him after the government refuses to meet the 48-hour deadline for transferring all ETA militants into custody to prisons in the Basque region. So that breaking up of the prison network uh, even yielded results here with somebody else having to die because of it. The widespread protests in the wake of Blanco's killing are considered a tipping point in the opposition to the terrorist organization. In 1998, finally, we had another truce. So we had the Good Friday Agreement in Northern Ireland. We have a truce in 1998 uh, before regional elections the following year after failed dialogue with conservative government. In 2000, ETA sells shoot and kill former socialist health minister Ernest Luch in Barcelona. So even lefties were not safe from the wrath of ETA. In 2002, Urito, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's U-R-R-U-T-I-K-O-E-T-X-E-A. We're going to call him Bill. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm the worst person to ask how you pronounce anything. I, I cannot pronounce any. I see a word. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this says. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. It, yeah. mu- it must be Basque, which I, I can speak Spanish, but I can't speak Basque. Well, I should be able to, you know, recognize words and say them, but sometimes <laughs> I can't. So <laughs> I'm just like, what is this? And I have to like re- really like hooked on phonics, like fucking, no, you, got- you know, say it slowly like a couple of times and then say it all together. And then I forget how you pronounce it after that. So. You have to approach it the way... Antonio Margariti. You got to hear the music in it. I. Yeah. <laughs> Margariti. Margariti. Uh, for those of you that don't know, please watch Inglorious. Gorlami. <laughs> Gorlami. Gorlami. See. I mean, correcto. <laughs> Fuck me. Was that good? Oh, man. So Bill goes into hiding after Spain's Supreme Court summons him for an alleged involvement in a 1987 bomb attack in Zaragoza. Uh, and in 2006, Bill, we're going to call him Bill again, William, for you know, if you want to be formal, is one of the negotiators with the Spanish government envoys. Mm. Talks to end the group's activities. Third ceasefire is declared while Basque politicians hold secret peace negotiations involving the future of imprisoned Basque militia. 
ETA breaks the truce with a car bombing at a parking garage at Madrid's international airport, killing two Ecuadorian citizens. Can you fucking imagine you're going from Ecuador, which is down in South America, the West coast of South America. Hey, sweetheart, let's, let's go. Let's, let's check out Spain. We've always talked about, we wanted to go and you get blown up in a fucking car park in the airport in Madrid. Uh, It's just, again, Involving people that had nothing to do with your bullshit. In 2010, a French police officer, Jean-Serge Nerine, is shot dead near Paris by militants fleeing after a car robbery, becoming ETA's final fatal victim in their campaign of violence. And then in 2018, in a letter to Spanish newspaper published on May 2nd, ETA says that it has dissolved all of its structures in recording released on May 3rd of that year, Bill's voice is identified as one of the two ETA members who read a statement announcing the group's dismantling. The announcement comes less than two weeks after the group offered an unprecedented apology the victims, the relatives, the Spanish and Basque governments say was too late and insincere. Uh, yeah, I-, I would say so. So that is a lengthy history. I would say so. You know, going all the way back then, here's the thing. If there's two takeaways from this, apart from killing innocent people is absolutely morally reprehensible. There's two things. Remember the first thing I mentioned? Did it really have the, the assassination of the prime minister? Some people say led to, since that was Franco's successor, that there was an end to uh, fascism in, in Spain. Okay. And on the other hand, after all of this activity, the Basque country pretty much is self-run. They have, like, nobody fucking bothers them. They're still part of Spain as a country, but they're not, like, I guess, oppressed. They're in a way kind of free. Was uh, Was it worth it? It doesn't sound like it. Not with the innocent uh, price you know, the price of innocent life that, you know, had to pay for what happened. Um, it's uh, it's an interesting group because I believe it's really overlooked. But as you can see, you know, they definitely, you know, they definitely had a, I want to say a leading role, but they definitely had a part to play in, especially during the 70s, with all of that terrorism uh, that went on. Um I mean, they're still fucking about, like, uh, you know, 2019, they're still doing stupid shit, this group. (laughs) Right. I mean, (laughs) I don't know what else to, how else to, like, phrase it. You know, like, nobody's even, does anybody even bother them? Like, they just are like, rabble, 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 rabble. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I'm confused by it, honestly. Like, I don't know what they're angry about. They want to be not they want to have their own nation they want to you know be separate they want to have their own country Mm -hmm. and nobody's allowing this to happen and they're mad yeah i mean they are mad i mean i guess you could say you know they are a nationalist group uh they assert that basques as an ethnic indigenous group to that part of the the european continent to that part of the west of the pyrenees yeah. That are a nation and uh, they promote the, the unity of all of the Basque country, including Spain and France on the other side of the border. Um, 
It's been around since the late 19th century, Angel. This isn't a new thing. Well, I mean, so they, like, I'm, I have 2% Basques in my DNA. Mazel tov. Okay. Um, and so according to some theories, like, they're, um, a remnant of the Paleolithic, uh, inhabitants of Western Europe. Mm -hmm. So, um, basically, like the oldest DNA that they can find that links, you know, to Western Europe or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. They go back and forth on it. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, okay. Let me give you a little background. I'm so glad that you finally walked me into this trap because you know, I want to get you, you know, I want to give you the history, you know, you want to, you want me to give you the brass tacks. Okay. okay? So, what Basque nationalism is, it's rooted in something that you'll read about in the book that I have over here, uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, this word, the phrase Carlist. Carlist comes from Carlism, okay? Okay. Carlismo, okay, in, uh, in Spanish. It's a traditionalist and legitimist political movement in Spain. So remember that we have Marxist-Leninist left-wing terrorists but the origins of this movement come from a very traditional and dare I say conservative monarchist background who wanted to establish an alternative branch to the Bourbon dynasty, one that descended from an individual Don Carlos, Count of Molina, on the Spanish throne. The Bourbons, remember, were one of the ruling houses of uh, France. Okay. Uh, this was a dynasty um, that um, it was a branch of the, Cap uh, the Capetian dynasty. Capetian, not Capetian, Capetian dynasty. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's been a long time. Um, it was founded as a dispute over the succession laws and widespread dissatisfaction with the Alphonse line of the House of Bourbon. So that's where we have some of those original, I guess you could say, uh, the roots of what would be Basque nationalism, I guess you could say. So you have Carlism, right? It's very reactionary, not exactly the friendliest thing uh, for, you know, uh, for a Marxist-Leninist, I guess you could say. So there are several branches of nationalism. And again, remember when we talked about that's how movements kind of get weakened because you have factionalism within a small faction of people already. You know what I mean? So you have people that are kind of, monarchist and then of course we have you know the, our marxist leninist cousins over there who decided to uh you know to get dirty with it and they wanted to go um hard left so and that became the dominant group but you know in this country in the united states we see a lot of right-wing terrorism if you want to classify that as for example like the bombing of abortion clinics it's definitely right-wing terrorism uh, if you want to look at um, the Unite the Right stuff uh, with literal Nazis with swastikas and the KKK showing up, there's been the, the history the history of right wing terrorism in this country, I feel, is much more rich and much more prevalent. If you think about the um, the synagogue murderer in Pittsburgh, that was a right wing terrorist. Um, we don't have a lot of a lot of our left wing um, combatants come from the labor movement. Uh, not to mention, of course, the anarchist movement, but most of that started with labor. It started with workers, uh, you know, being shit on and fighting back against it. I mean, you could even classify like 
you know, the, the folks that, um, uh, what was it? The battle of Blair mountain, I guess the folks that were fighting the Pinkertons would have been more on the left-hand side of the political spectrum, at least economically. Um, again, that that's up for debate. And I'm sure there are other political scientists and historians who would debate that it's hard to compare contextually with what we had going on in this country, but right-wing terrorism was definitely a thing. In Europe, you read a little bit more in the in the seventies to be far way more on the left hand side of the political spectrum. A lot like the Bader Meinhof gang, like there was a lot of bad shit going on, and these people were active, and they were supported by uh, the KGB. Um, you know, I, I hate to mention it again, Vladimir Putin himself, a colonel in the KGB, who said that the collapse of the Soviet Union was the greatest tragedy of the twentieth century. Um, ignoring at least two massive, three massive acts of genocide. Uh, if you really want to piss off any Turkish relatives, remind them of what happened to the Armenians. And, you, you, you know, we're getting warm. All right. We're just we're just starting her up, baby. It was an early one. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, the Basque, they, they participated in Spanish history for a long time. And then once, you know, it seemed like, you had these left-wing political parties and, of course, their paramilitary uh, you know, cousins, I guess you could say, who got in on the act. And then next thing you know, it all goes to hell in a handbasket. So you had like, you know, a, a, a myriad of factions within a small group of people. It was not going to really work out. Now, if we look at today, you know, when it comes to the Basque country, they are pretty mm -hmm. much their own thing. They, they do their own thing. Uh, they, uh, it's, it's a pretty, I, I want you can't call it a country. I, and I hate to use that autonomous zone, but the Basque people seem to be more free of centralized authority and control than they ever were in their history. So in a way, do you think they would have gotten there without terrorism? Or do you think the terrorism played a role in pushing people to just give them something to calm them the fuck down, I'm, right? I'm Concession? sure. I'm sure that it played a role. Of course. I mean, you don't want to have to be dealing with uppity people every, you know, so often, and you don't want to have to like, like, what's their problem? What do they want? Like, give them what they want so that they'll go away. Mm -hmm. You know that that's the old saying. Like, give me what I want and I'll go away. And and that's the truth. Like. So I'm sure that they did give them a little bit of what they want wanted to maybe calm the waters. Okay, fair enough. All right, we'll take. That. I mean, that's the simplest form, um, you know, without really knowing too much about. I mean, you you've explained some things, but like, you know, I don't know as much as you do. But um, I mean, I would think that the only maybe people are like, yeah, they deserve it, you know. Well, put it this way, they've kind of moderated ever since they've been left alone, I guess you could say. Uh, in where we're looking at the Congress of Deputies of the Bat, these are Basque seats. Uh, their centrist party, which is the National Party, the Basque National Party, all right, which they consider themselves to be, um, I, I guess, conservative liberalism, social democracy, but. Uh, Christian democracy, but, you know, with the Basque nationalist tint, they're kind of in the middle of the spectrum when you factor in economic thing, uh, economic positions. Uh, in the Spanish Senate, they can, this party controls the majority of the seats. 
Okay. Um, in uh, the Basque Parliament, they have 31 of 75 seats. Uh, they And then the mayors, they have 121 out of 251 seats. And this is a multi-factioned regional government. Okay. So they're doing pretty well for themselves. So it has nothing to do with them, uh, you know, being terrorists. It has them, it has everything to do with them being an active part in everyday government. That's what it sounds like. I guess so. And having them be left to their own devices, you know what I mean? And it's still wild. People forget that Spain is, is a monarchy. It's a constitutional monarchy. They have a king mm-hmm. uh, still. Uh, king Chuck, God, God bless, um, gets all the attention because of his I, big fingers. I'm um, just surprised that kings and queens still exist. Prince Sausage Fingers. <laughs> Actually, it would be what? Prince Banger Finger? Banger Finger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and his wife Miss Mush, um, <laughs> <laughs> she I can't ladies, ladies. If you have a suspicion that you are a side piece, just know there's hope, okay? Because that Camilla Parker Bowles, or however you pronounce her name, I say Bowles. <laughs> she she was the side piece to Princess Diana, who was not an ugly lady. No. And now she's the queen of the United Kingdom. That's not going to happen to you. If you're a side piece, <laughs> move the fuck on and be the main piece. Be the main piece. <laughs> Sorry. like Get a promotion. Don't listen to Jay. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal over here, Christopher. I- I'm just saying, if you're a side piece, chances are you ain't going to be no damn fucking queen. You know, how many other years? What is it? 30 years later, this bitch gets to be queen now. Hey, a promotion's a promotion, after all. You ain't fucking fucking no prince. (laughs) You ain't fucking fucking no prince. Yeah. (laughs) Just saying. No, I like it. Seriously, don't be a side piece. That's fucking terrible. Don't be a side piece and don't blow up car parks and shopping malls and shit like that to achieve your, you know, political goals. I think that that's really awful. And you know what? Here's the question, though, Angel. Yes. Since you answered, I'm going to push back a little bit. Would the argument be then the Basque people would have enjoyed this autonomy far earlier had they not done what they did? Or do you, I mean, I'm trying to get a timeline, I guess you could say. Which one, do you, which method would have achieved the goal faster? Participating in politics and democracy and all that other good stuff, but at minimum not killing people? Or attacking agents of the state, which accelerated their gaining of autonomy over their own affairs do you think it would have happened eventually minus the violence or do you think that you know without violence and you know like a movement for like a civil rights movement here in the united states which was you know folks who you know didn't fight back when the cops turned dogs and water hoses on them they didn't fight back they just fucking took it on the chin do you think if the Basque people kind of behaved in a similar fashion, they would have achieved a faster result in their favor? Or do you think it was the opposite, that it accelerated because of the violence? I don't know, because it doesn't seem like the violence did much of anything. Yeah, there's an argument to be made about that. I mean, it still took a while for them to get what they wanted. It sounds like that the only way that they got what they wanted was to actively participate in, in the government at many different levels. Especially locally, that seems to be a huge yeah. deal. So, I mean, I have to say no. I okay. think that, you know, that them actively participating in the government is what got them to be where they are now. Sure. 
that's what it sounds like to me anyway. Okay, fair enough. What do you think? What do I think? I think that um, it uh, delayed their inevitable um, movement up the ladder to uh, self-autonomy. When you start killing innocent people, people are not going to listen to your plight. It's just that you, you, my daughter, it's like the Alex Jones song. They're going to stab your daughter at the mall. I'm not going to be friendly to any Somali after that. That's just not going to happen, right? If it's your daughter, right? Same thing over there. Like, imagine, like, you know, your kids were one of the kids that got blown up at that shopping center. I, I'm, I absolutely am going to hate you for the rest of my life, regardless. Like, I'm not going to want to have anything to do with you. And that develops kind of a generational animosity between people as opposed to, hey, hear me out. I just want to be left alone. Can you help me? Yeah. Not blowing up my kids at a shopping mall is a great way for me to pay attention to what the (laughs) hell you're saying. It's a step in the right direction. Right. There's I don't want to equate the psychology, but Dave, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, who I'm not a huge fan of for his politics, but he did write two excellent books. It was on combat and on killing. And they did psychological evaluations of people who survived the Blitz, that is the Luftwaffe bombing of Great Britain, specifically in London, and also the bombings of Hamburg by the Allied forces. They found out that those acts of bombing, where the enemy is far away, you don't know what they look like, did not decrease the will of the people to resist. It increased their will to resist against their enemies. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. When And if we even take it down to a smaller level to where you're at a restaurant and having a, ca- a coffee with your friends and some fucking asshole parks a car filled with explosives that's designed for just one person at the same coffee bar and it kills all of these people. Again, if you want to develop sympathy, that's not the way to do it. And that's why I don't think, you know, whether you like it or not, that acts of terrorism are ever going to be conducive i mean look what happened with this country right there were acts of terrorism committed on this country by a group of people from saudi arabia that did not get people to bend the knee Mm -hmm. that that did not work in fact the war machine was like oh yeah well we're going to go to two totally different countries and fuck them up um anyway (laughs) but uh yeah i don't think that the violence is going to achieve the result um and i think that people who consider themselves revolutionary and this is something that i've come to grips with People who consider themselves revolutionaries today are very different from revolutionaries from the turn of uh, the 20s, uh, the 19th century and the 20th century. When you are a revolutionary in Chicago or any major European city, you're ready to kill people and you're also ready to die. Okay, I don't think you can see you really say that about people now as a whole. I, I don't think that 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 desire to commit propaganda of the deed exists with people as much today as it did 125 years ago. I think that it's night and day. Um, Is that because things have improved for people? Well, if you want to compare the conditions of workers at the turn of the 19th century to workers of today, I mean, Amazon versus a coal mine in West Virginia. I know Amazon workers are treated like shit, but there is a world of fucking difference. Absolutely. World of difference um did you know was it violence that achieved that i don't know was it people refusing to be treated like that anymore as working people was it the unions i think it was a combination of a lot of things but i but you saw most of the time that workers were on the receiving end of violence not typically the ones who perpetrated the violence 
It's like, look, goddammit, I'm tired of working 14 hours a day and spending money in the fucking company store, boss. I'm going to burn it all down and you keep fucking with me. You know what I mean? Me and the boys decide we're going to form a union and we ain't putting up with this shit anymore. And mm-hmm. then they, then the boss would call in the Pinkertons and that's when there was a problem. So, and again, not a monolith. I think there are plenty of examples where it didn't go that way, but I think that the majority went that way anyway. So... Bottom line, no, I don't think that the violence did anything. And any of those, any of you who think that they've got the balls to to kick off the um, the ice cream social, number one, if you did, you would have. It's not going to happen. All right. Secondly, consider, like for, Michael Malice put it best: if you take out like the head of, of of a government, any government, the government doesn't cease to exist. They just hire another asshole to take his place. And then this time they turn the screw even further. They're like, oh, now we're the reactionary group. We're going to show you motherfuckers just who's in charge. And they're going to tighten that fucker. It's kind of like, what was it, in Die Hard with a Vengeance? When, you know, like Samuel L. Jackson's like, I want you to get the fuck out of here because something happens to you. Then a bunch of cops come down here with itchy trigger, trigger fingers. In other words, please get the fuck away from me. Don't cause me any problems because you're just going to bring more shit onto us. You know what I mean? So again, if you disagree, I understand why I like the, I I'm very sympathetic to ideas that a lot of people have, but on the whole killing innocent people just is never going to be justifiable. It's just never going to be justifiable. Like these people who wanted to go to war with the federal fucking government, you're going to shoot a, a fucking clerk working a desk, making 1450 an hour. We're a fed. Yeah. They're a secretary. And not of the fucking Navy, okay? They're they're literally pushing paper in front of the glass door saying, how can I help you? What floor do you need? Relax. None of this shit, it it just doesn't work. And people are not going to come to your team. It's just not going to, it has almost the opposite effect where people are like, yeah, whoa, no thanks. This is not good. Um, But yeah, so that's a little bit today, um, Etta. Uh, I was going to squeeze two groups together today. However, I wanted to kind of give them their own thing because I already feel they're kind of ignored to a great extent when we talk about, you know, left-wing terrorism in the, uh, they call it the, uh, the golden age of terrorism, if that's possible, uh, the height of terrorism, which is back in the 70s. Of course, in this country, our Franz Ferdinand moment on September 11, 2001, pretty much overshadows most of the terrorism that happened prior to that, but I think it's important to you know, see the panoramic and not just the Polaroid, but we're going to get into more groups. Uh, but that is it for our separatist discussion for this time. I wanted to turn it over to my friends and see if they had anything to add, anything at all. Angel, as usual, we start with you. What do you have? Um, bitch, you, you should check us out on there if you want to see our beautiful faces. Um, and look at some of the some of the screen shares um that we put up we don't always do a lot of screen shares but we do um when we find things interesting enough anyway for sure excellent thank you christopher anything else nope okay that's going to be it for us this week uh i hope you enjoyed this again i don't want to call them a minor character but they are definitely overshadowed by some much larger actors from this era so i hope you enjoyed that today we'll come back again with some more as we go along i did not forget to continue this one i forget about a lot of things but i wasn't going to let this one go um but i appreciate everybody's support thank you very much we appreciate all of you 
Thank you for being part of the Use Guys and that gang. Uh, don't forget, there's a Substack out there if you want to check it out. Please do so. I think you'll uh, at least it'll get you thinking. Put it that way. Uh, but I'd like to thank our patrons. God bless and thank you very much for your support. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors, of course, GorisNexus.com, premier sponsor of the Use Guys and that podcast. Please check out what Dag and Brandon have going on over there. Excellent website, lots of free resources if you're so inclined please check them out also not an official sponsor but our friend bobby in fairly decent golf check out what bobby's doing i paint Akron, where all accidents are happy accidents if you follow the used guys in that uh, podcast page on facebook you'll see that we repost a lot of the events that are going on with i paint Akron. don't forget to check it out if you're in the area and you want to learn to paint from a trained professional you will have that opportunity and also have a chance to sip and paint and have a good time socialize with your friends. And of course, uh, Team Mandalore keeps cycling very weird. And Ray Fava, fine art and design from the Great Lakes. However, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the conclusion of our show. Memorial Day has come and gone, where the United States of America mourns their war dead. And what else we can mourn at this point is you smelling good. Because ladies and gentlemen, I don't know, currently... Ohio time 732 in the evening. It is still 80 degrees. It is really hot, very oppressive, and your smell is equally oppressive. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot encourage you enough to please check out Akron Apothecary. Todd's very gay soap. Todd has a new truck that I've mentioned several times. And instead of putting the pressure on Greg to help him along, I'd really like it if you helped out Todd so that we can help Greg. And buy that gay soap, but also help your fellow man and help yourself smell good, smell clean. The next big day we have coming up is what, Angel? We have Father's Day coming up. Nobody fucking cares about Father's Day. Not one single person. But if you want your father who went out for cigarettes in 1988 to think well of you as you meet them at the barbecue, please use, apply liberally Todd's gay soap to all the fat folds, armpits, assholes, don't use it on your teeth. We don't have we don't have uh, toothpaste yet, but everything else, belly buttons, undercarriage, the dung ditch, Todd's Gay Soap is going to help you out. Smell good for that. Father's Day cookout where nobody actually shows up and nobody gives a fuck because Todd's Gay Soap is... So badass. Permitting acts of violence against the dookie stains on that rusty sheriff's badge all summer long. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. See ya. (laughs)